1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer reported by
2: Crown Airport, Port, Chicago, Illinois. hello friends welcome to another episode of the roto world football podcast I'm Josh Norris here with Patrick Doherty Ian harditz gentlemen how are you
3: good yeah I'm just gonna I've this has been weighing on me it's darty Doherty? darty
2: not I mean do I say it differently each say
3: Darty. you usually say Doherty which is what I hear all the time but you're not. you're my friend they and
2: party you, know I know. you also dark. I feel like you know said I was doing it wrong five years ago and I've yeah. just been Going you to got exposed to as terror.
3: a non-real Irishman, too, in the newsroom today. Um, Ian,
2: you had somewhat of a Sunday off. You drove back from Ohio, Electric, right. Electric nine-hour drive, Josh. <laughs> yeah, so can we guess, if you don't mind us prying, what you listen to on your drive back? Sure. Because to me, just, you know, <laughs> taking it all in... Some P.O.D. or Hoobah stank makes a lot of sense.
3: <laughs> no way. I went no no no. Joe
1: Rogan UFO podcast, very enlightening. <laughs> they are out there. That, that, that's kind of predictable. I am, I am. And uh, <laughs> Game Pass Radio Live. Because I, I can't miss the game. Oh, okay. I, 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 was like, I love it so much.
3: There's more. no way this dude is not listening to like a lot of football on the
1: I track. got a little bit of POD on the workout playlist, I'm not
2: gonna
3: lie. <laughs> <laughs> See? I wow, you.
2: hey. Um John Dangle usually joins us on the Monday podcast. He's out with a back injury questionable for the rest of the week.
3: I had to move a couch yesterday. It was really a mistake. Um, uh,
2: as you all know, the Monday podcast is the big picture podcast. We do hit on waivers in the final segment. Skim the surface. Go and check out Daigle's column for the full list, and we'll get to those later on. But again, big picture thoughts here to start off with. And Pat, we all send them in each Sunday night slash Monday morning. And the only line that you sent in was, Browns still sucking and things not looking up. <laughs> Elaborate.
3: I'm saying, do, do we have positive takeaways on the Browns? Because... Uh, if you can contrive a few, uh, you know, they sparked Odell Beckham yesterday, had his first 100-yard game since week two, uh, left a lot of yards on the field with some bad Baker Mayfield back shoulder throws, uh, lost two receptions to Brown's penalties, so that was really frustrating. Uh, you know, they got Ricky Seals-Jones going. with He's got 340-1 and one in two of three games, but, you know, this was like a, a soft matchup. Not, you know, not that the Seahawks are outright soft, but a team you can throw on at home. And we really just did not see that improved with Baker Mayfield. Just way too many back shoulder throws. He's just not yeah. accurate right now. He didn't take any sacks, but still making bad decisions, like rolling out of the pocket. And uh, they get to go and buy, but I feel like the buy doesn't even really count for them because they're coming off it against the Patriots. Right. Like, how many things can you really fix ahead of a Patriots <laughs> matchup?
2: So what concerns me most, Ian, is, again, they lost 32-28 to at home against the Seattle Seahawks. But they were up 21, or 20-6, to I believe. And... This is a team that, right now, is making mistakes. Right, it's either penalties early in the season. Here it was turnovers. Um, they they don't have the ability to overcome negative plays, and you have to do that if you're going to be a winning team. And right now they sit at two and four. No, yeah, I mean, the only
1: consistent member we've seen on the offense is Nick Chubb. I mean, he's got this 100, 100 plus yards multi touchdown games. He can pull it off any week. The one positive I can take away, I think, is just this defense. They have been an average to above average unit. When I think entering the year, if we thought the Browns were going to be two and four, probably would have guessed the defense was going to be struggling a lot. Miles Garrett in particular, man, like, he's, I, I was looking it up this morning, one of only 11 guys since 2000, which with at least nine sacks in the first six weeks. I know he gets some penalties, he takes chances, but hey, you know, it's a risk but, reward type thing. And, he's balling out but is the
2: defense even good enough for us to care about them well they're, they're not without their top
1: two cornerbacks yeah, for weeks
3: right. too so. so yeah if you're looking for true positive takeaways the defense has played at a high level without their number one and two corners for a month for yeah. four weeks so if you're gonna play the patriots it will be good you know miles garrett pressured tom brady have some yeah. actual lockdown corners uh on the patriots increasingly shaky receiver core
2: maybe, maybe i'm in like my own head on this groupthink idea but i I don't know if they're even the caliber of a team we should even give credit to defensively. Like, they're in that middle ground. Like, they gave up 31 points to the 49ers, 25 points to the Ravens, 20 points in a loss to the Rams. I mean, it's just a team, and I understand it. They were without their corners, but again, I don't think we really need to give credit to teams for their defenses outside of the top three or four, and I don't think they belong in the top.
3: Three. I actually kind of because the defense is under so much pressure because of the struggles of the op- so team It me, is. They, they're they kind get of put a defense in, yeah. in
2: disadvantageous yeah. positions for yeah. sure. I, I'm also kind of sick of just talking about the Browns. I am too, <laughs> to be perfectly wait, honest.
3: You were me. going through the levels of mistakes. We didn't even talk about the best part of the game yesterday. It was the true galaxy brain mistake at the goal line? Where they were going to score a touchdown in fourth and two, but Freddie Kitchens had an ill-advised challenge uh, that he then lost. And then after the challenge ran the exact same play <laughs> that scored a touchdown before the challenge, and this time the Seahawks were uh, quite ready for it and this stuffed is, it.
2: This is on Baker Mayfield too. It really it is. is because you look opposite him on who they faced on Sunday, and that was Russell Wilson. And there's always this sense of positivity with the Seattle Seahawks. No matter what is going on, if they're down 20 to 6 in the first quarter, They still, in their opinion, have the ability to come back and win football games. Right now, Baker Mayfield, when he is pressured, when he is exiting clean pockets, when he is trying to throw these passes to Dontrell Hilliard or whoever else, they're off target just a little bit. And again, this team cannot overcome sacks, they cannot overcome turnovers, and they cannot overcome penalties. And I just wonder if there's like a big picture vision here on the Big Picture Pod, (laughs) if we If if Freddie Kitchens even knows what this team is offensively. And right now, week to week, there's something different other than Nick Chubb trying to give him touches and that's far more difficult to do in negative game script situations. And we're we'll probably going to get that whole
1: Nick Chubb feature back thing thrown off when Kareem Hunt returns in a couple of weeks. Oh my and gosh. that's just a whole new thing to worry about.
3: So. Nick Chubb right now is why the phrase, like, lone bright spot exists. Uh, he's been really, really good <laughs> that's in such fair. a bad situation. By the way, you said it's on Baker Mayfield. It's actually all on Chris Hubbard. We need to disagree with that.
2: Uh. Uh, no, I'm saying it's Baker Mayfield. <laughs> also, if they go 2-5, and five, I think we officially need to not talk about the Browns for a week on this podcast.
3: That's fair. I mean, they're going to go two and five. We know that they're playing the Patriots, even if the Patriots, you know, screw around and get like giants for a while, or it looks like they might lose. I mean, the Browns will be two and five.
2: (laughs) Let's talk about, I mean, we said that the Browns are two and four. There are a lot of three and three teams, uh, specifically in the NFC. And these are all teams Ian, that we had high optimistic visions for heading into the season. The Dallas Cowboys losing 22 to 24 to the New York Jets are now three and three. The L.A. Rams losing 20-7 to the San Francisco 49ers are now 3-3. and Both teams actually on three-game losing streaks, I believe. And then also the Philadelphia Eagles lost 38-20 to to the Minnesota Vikings. If I were, let's start in the positives. If I were to ask you who of that group of three you felt most comfortable in still, despite being a 500-wreckers, who would it be?
1: I think it's the Eagles, because even throughout this stretch, Carson Wentz has been playing fantastic all season. I mean, they're at least going into like week five or week six, like they were easily had the most drops in the league. We've seen that throughout the season. A couple games that literally just got swung on drops on really well placed balls by Wentz. I mean, he is kind of replaying at that 2017 MVP form. Again, it's, he's not getting the help on defense. You know, they, they cannot guard Certainly any number any. one wide receivers in this <laughs> league, obviously. And you know, I don't think that's going to get necessarily too much better. But out of this group, I mean, we saw the Cowboys give up 34 to Devontae Adamless Packers. Right. Uh, they made Sam Darnold look like a world beater yesterday.
3: Sam Darnold is a world. (laughs) Come
1: on. (laughs) Nothing to take away from you know Mr. Mono, but uh, the (laughs) look. I mean, the Rams. We haven't. We've known their secondary has some struggles without Talib. There, you know, saw that enhanced a little bit. And I think at this point, like, yeah, give me Carson Wentz over Dak Prescott Hmm. and Jared Goff if everything else is somewhat equal.
3: Do you agree? I think I'm gonna say the rant I I wanna Really e, Well the Eagles definitely like in a vacuum are still like the best roster, the like the least concerning questions, but they're three and three. And normally I don't get into like hashtag schedule Twitter. Mm. I don't really know teams upcoming but like the Eagles upcoming schedule has kinda already become a meme and that's because it is very bad. It is at Dallas, at Buffalo, versus the Bears. And with an offense, you know, with still without Deshaun Jackson, you know, still not being able to cover anyone. Well, and the issue with the uh-huh. Eagles
2: is the only team they didn't allow 24 points to this season was the Luke Falk-led Jets.
3: <laughs> yeah, and so they those before the bye. And they come off their bye against the Patriots and the Seahawks. So they just have a real, that's like a real tough sledding schedule. And to me, the Rams, you know, they have back-to-back get-right spots. They're going to Atlanta. Then they play the Bengals. Then they get a bye with two weeks for Sean McVay, who is probably still the second-best coach in the NFL right now after Bill Belichick gets to figure, try to figure all this out. Oh,
2: what's that look? No. What about Kyle Shanahan right now? I <laughs> think Kyle Shanahan is a better play caller and better orchestrator of an offense right now than Sean McVay.
3: Kyle is. Shanahan needs to win six games first, and we also need to see Jimmy Garoppolo. He's say, I know. Well, he's going to get there soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you can't say Kyle Shanahan's the second, better coach than Sean McVay to say one He is right 5-0. now. Right now. He is right now, and that's what matters. I don't even right know now. if he is right now either. He he's, is. I don't know
2: about that. I, I, I'm not the only one saying this. Daniel Jeremiah has also pointed out that people are across saying. across the <laughs> NFL, more play callers and coaches watch Kyle Shanahan's tape and take things from it than they do Sean McVay's.
3: Actually, I, I I guess like I believe that, and uh, Kyle Shanahan's many years ago, but and the this overall body of work as a new. head coach.
2: Okay, sure. That's thinking of the 2018 regular season, and I don't want to crush on 2017. Sean McVay is uh, yeah. Sean McVay is mm-hmm. a great coach, but since the flip against the Detroit Lions last year since the flip in the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. What has Sean McVay done to add new wrinkles to this offense?
3: It's been hard with a terrible offense. All I'm saying is we get back-to-back get-right games, then one of the best top three or five coaches in the NFL gets two weeks yes. to try to figure it out. And uh,
2: I'm stunned that you think it's the L.A. Rams, and I'm stunned that you think it's the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm stunned you think it's the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> because, because both of those teams have fatal flaws right now. And fatal flaws that they, I don't know if they can overcome as the season goes along. In fact, they might just get worse because the Los Angeles Rams offensive line, I don't even think it's a bottom five unit in the NFL, but Rams fans are going to interpret it that way because of how great it was in 2017 and 2018. Time to throw is kind of not a negligible stat or number, but it does point to this because in 2018, Uh, Jared Goff had 2.95 seconds to throw. That was just behind all these mobile quarterbacks as sixth best. In 2017, 2.93 seconds to throw in the pocket. And in 2019 now, it's 2.77 seconds. So two-tenths of a second of a difference. It matters when your quarterback absolutely sucks against pressure. And I don't think that offensive line is going to get fixed. In fact, more injuries might make it get worse. The same thing can be said for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? This is a team that in previous years has had defensive back, cornerback issues, and while that means going into this year, they had a lot of people that had experience playing and starting, it's not getting any better. And it's not like they have people injured who can come in and fill in the gaps. And I think both those fatal flaws can tank both teams. Well,
3: the- Cowboys fatal flaws being the Cowboys, just for the record. (laughs) But what (laughs) is it?
2: No, but let's
1: be honest
3: here. Ian seemed like he had a point. But let's be honest
2: here. What is their (laughs) fatal flaw? What is the Cowboys' fatal flaw if the other two do have
1: that? I think it's that we now have three years of evidence that Dak Prescott can't function as an awesome quarterback if the offense isn't fully healthy. We've seen Mm -hmm. it without Tyron Smith in 2017, without Tyron Smith this year, a little bit without Zeke during that stretch. Amari Cooper's splits last year were ridiculous before and after getting him, and I think we saw all that kind of come to fruition Mm -hmm. yesterday. So... I agree with I agree with what you're saying, Josh. Like if all these teams are healthy, the Rams still have the O line problem, the Eagles still have the secondary problem, the Cowboys can feasibly be the most complete team. I don't know if they're gonna be healthy enough to be that complete.
3: See, the Cowboys injuries to both tackles, injuries Amari Cooper has not been healthy all year and uh I'm gonna repeat a joke i in a tweet the cow uh, the, always
2: uh, always good when
1: Pat yeah. repeats <laughs> his tweets I'll say from the, the previous day. The, the,
3: the Patriots' schedule looks a lot different when the Cowboys play it. Uh too soon. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was
2: <laughs> what concerns me, though, against the Cowboys is again they started three and zero, and now they've gone zero and three. And even that is in, a concern, Josh. Well, <laughs> even in a losing effort, being down twenty-one to six at halftime, I believe Ezekiel Elliott still managed thirty-three touches. Like I understand, he's you paid him a lot of money. He's a feature player in your offense, but that's going out of a game script negative situation. And I don't know if Kellen Moore has complete control of his offense, because there are some rumors that a lot of fingerprints of Jason Garrett are still on his yeah. often. Well, it
3: might be, too. It might be, though, more something they don't have the faith in Dak Prescott right now. It might not be, like, an intentional— And Amari Cooper
2: being down is massive.
3: Yeah, it might not be an intentional we have to establish the run, but maybe they just don't have— It's a faith. team that
1: fits very well when everyone's healthy. We saw Michael Gallup balling out as the number two wide receiver. Cooper leaves. You know, all of a sudden, things are a little bit tighter when he's your number one. So— still a little bit too much Jason Witten than I prefer yeah, and that's that is like you know like Tony Romo was
3: saying
2: there's Jason Garrett's footprints all over this
3: offense so uh,
2: the other point with the Rams is they're in the same division with the 49ers and Seattle Seahawks
3: and even the Arizona Cardinals won't be necessarily a tough all right, I mean, Kylie, hey bye. hey I'm just saying I'm just saying it's a it's a they the Cardinals are the fourth best team in the they're a lot right. better than the fourth best team in a lot of other divisions that's fair.
2: With San Francisco and Seattle, I just do not see how the Rams ever overcome either one of those teams as we head down the stretch. It's going be
3: difficult, but that's why you have a top three or four coach. The but, of, with
2: the Seahawks, but of those three teams, that. the best quarterback is Carson Wentz. So I could see it that way with the Eagles as well. The biggest change for them will have to be their defensive line getting more pressure to compensate for the lack of talent in that secondary. 100%. And they've done that in the past, but they'll have to do it again. And that's a tough, tough task to have in 2019. So we started this episode... With a basement dweller in the Cleveland Browns, let's put it that way, so for the season, we've hit the middle road with a bunch of three and three teams in the NFC. Ian want to talk about the best team in the NFC. I think it comes down to three. I
1: think it's like I said before, 49ers, Seahawks, and then I think the Saints too. Just seeing how they've held up without Drew Brees, and I haven't had a chance to go back and look at Teddy yesterday. I saw they got the win, and he did look a lot better in Week Five. I still don't know not that. in Week Six. Not in Week Six. Okay, yeah. I, <laughs> I was about to say I don't want to say that they can necessarily compete without Brees, but they. Should, I mean, everything's still there. I mean, they're and they're oh
3: four and zero without Drew Brees, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So
1: they're doing well enough that we can at least take away from their defense that mm-hmm. this is a much better, well-rounded team, I think, than in years past. And they're getting that pressure. You know, everyone kind of, Correct. everyone scoffed when they took uh, Davenport. We all wanted Lamar Jackson to go <laughs> in that spot uh, a couple years ago. But, like, he is adding some juice off the edge. They just got Rankin's
2: back in that Cowboys game. He's been awesome up the middle. Marshawn Lattimore has improved as the season has gone along. Yep, It's, it's, yep. it's a good point. I will say Packers fans are going to be pissed at you. They're going to be very upset. I mean, they're 5-1, aren't they? Yeah, and they're like 4-1. One. Outs- one I think they're hey, bottom don't, 16. Don't count
3: out the Detroit Lions like that,
2: Josh. Oh, I apologize. Oh, yeah, we record this <laughs> before Monday Night Football, so we have no idea how that game is going to play
1: <laughs> no,
3: out. No, that game, like, wow. That okay. was a crazy the Packers
2: game.
1: are 24th in yards per play and 19th in yards per play allowed. They are frauds. <laughs> Packers okay. are frauds. Hey, you step further. The Packers' defensive
3: further. stats are skewed a bit by the fact that they went up 31-3 last week, and then the Cowboys got a They have out. a
2: great pass rush, which can get you a long way. Pat, opine about the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers because it would be difficult for me to look past the 49ers right now because they are a very complete team. They are one of those defenses I do care about because they get after it so hard in the front seven. They have enough veteran presence, experience, and playmaking ability in the back half to make noise. And then offensively, as long as you don't rely on Jimmy Garoppolo for – three series in a row to make play after play after play. There's a good enough group, especially rushing the football, and even receiving with George Kittle and Dante Pettis and whoever else. It's a very complete team to me.
3: Uh, I don't know if it is a complete team, because they haven't displayed really any passing offense so far, and the the 49ers clearly an elite defense. The first thing you do as an elite defense is you rough up bad teams. That's all the 49ers. They've roughed up Jameis Winston. They've roughed Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, and now Jared Goff, who is playing the worst football of his career. So we still have not seen them, uh, you know, really take it to a good team. But the schedule stays soft for a long time. We get the Redskins. We get the Panthers, maybe with Kyle Allen. you get Arizona. They have a schedule where they're probably going to go 12-4, and 13-3. When we talk about fatal flaws, the 49ers passing offense almost is bordering on dysfunctional to me right now. Yeah. Who is the number one receiver? Who is the number two threat? after George Kittle... Uh, you know, now Kyle Juszczyk's out, so maybe even the running game will that be a little. That didn't
2: matter. It, I, I don't think that really matters. It's going to be a little overblown he, to me.
3: Well, I, he played, he had played, despite having him buy, he would already doubled up every other NFL fullback in snaps. Yeah, not not to say part. that Kyle
2: Juszczyk isn't a good player.
3: Kyle Shanahan, your favorite coach, but Kyle Juszczyk, most important player on this team. Uh, he says stuff like that.
2: Well, Kyle Shanahan uh, is also smart enough to be able <laughs> to. Was that Shanahan or Booger that said that? <laughs> I
3: think it was Booger, actually. <laughs> but I meant Shanahan has said stuff like that yeah, in no. the uh-huh. past but so the 49ers they're gonna go 12 and 4 they're gonna go they they're gonna have a crazy record at the end of the year but to me their, their passing offense could be the fatal and plus Jimmy Garoppolo has demonstrated zero ability to stay healthy we can't count on 16 games from Jimmy Garoppolo I think the best team in the NFC kind of by far is the New Orleans Saints Wow how could they not are, be they're are, one of the
2: favorites entering the season is this factoring in Drew Brees coming back in Drew Brees form
3: yeah, well Drew Brees even in diminished form is better than Jimmy Garoppolo much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, but
2: I guess in their current form, you can't tell me that Teddy Bridgewater is a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo right now. And I love They've
3: been very similar, so I'm not a big... They've been similar. Okay, I've taken enough Jimmy G (laughs) slander at this point. The, guy, the guy's efficient. Does, I loved yes. it. I've always loved Jimmy Grapple. I just have, this year, he's been, I mean, he hasn't thrown the ball over like five
1: times per game. He's never going to put up big numbers because right. Shanahan doesn't really need him to. And they are running the ball on anyone and everyone they face. It has been to, We're going we're to need him to play more. And They're going to need, that's what I'm future.
3: That's basically what I'm saying. They're going to need more from Jimmy Grapple. Yeah, that's fair. I but will say we'll right
2: see. now, he's being asked to make three to five throws per game, and he's making those three to five throws per game. Mostly. He is. I mean, there are a couple every once in a while where he wants them back. You can say that across the league for basically every single passer, even Patrick Mahomes over the last two not weeks.
3: About, not about Jerry. Why Harris.
2: no love for the Seattle Seahawks from anyone here on this desk? It's their defense. They're uh
1: what, twenty-fifth in yards per play allowed this season. Russ is should be the MVP front runner. Yeah. And they can keep winning games as long as that's happening, but They're going to need this defensive line to really start stepping up, which could happen. Jaron Reed's uh, six-game suspension's up. We've seen uh, uh, Ziggy Ansah provide some more burst. Clowney's getting more comfortable. So I see a path, but they're kind of Eagles-esque in terms of, like, I think everyone's going to be able to throw on them pretty much no matter what. And they're just going to need Russ to keep playing out of his see, mind. It's
3: the defense, and they still have not optimized Russell Will- They still have not optimized yeah. the offensive <laughs> pass calling. As great as he's playing, we still see very questionable play calling but, every but game. But in
2: these current iterations of the 49ers, of the Packers, of the Saints, don't we think the Seahawks have the best offense of that group?
3: Uh, probably better than the Saints when Drew Brees is back.
2: I
1: think yeah. we got to give the 49ers some more credit. I mean, they did that last week with Joe Staley and Mike. How you say McGlinchey. Like Mike McGlinchey <laughs> out. I mean, and juice check, like we said, and I, they just keep rolling. We see Shanahan keep rolling. The best play caller in the league gets <laughs> the offense rolling.
2: I I mean, I would go with Seattle of the best offense of that group because they know who they and are. by far I, are the, the most wise. explosive offense. Exactly. And they have the quarterback of this group, and I'll even include Aaron Rodgers to be in that one, to be perfectly honest with you, go ahead. That, <laughs> that I would rely on in a disadvantageous position to lead them out of the hole that they are in. I mean, they just did it this past weekend against the Cleveland run, Browns. The they create on his own better than anyone else in this league right now. That's one problem. Watson with the, Deshaun Watson. The Seahawks always, A- the
3: they still create holes for themselves all they the do. time. Because they have the defense and they do not optimize the offensive play calling. So
2: How dare you criticize Pete Carroll's self-belief that he has instilled <laughs> in this team. Uh, let's hit on the waiver period of this podcast. Again, you can check out the full column. Up on Rudderall, that is John Dagle with the back injury. Let's talk first about Josh Allen, obviously the Bills quarterback. He's facing off against the Miami Dolphins in week seven. Pat, you came up with these names. Uh, He's right at that 50% mark because we look at 50% and lower in Yahoo Leagues. Um, And you cannot ask for a better matchup coming off a bye than Josh Allen. And the Dolphins.
3: You cannot. But Josh Allen's been kind of on the brink this year as a streamer. He hasn't really smashed in any spot. He he hasn't had bad games in good spots against the Giants and the Bengals. But he didn't really like supernova the way you'd want a dual threat quarterback in those games. And he has three rushing touchdowns this season, but he hasn't cleared. He's only cleared 40 rushing yards once. Uh, as we know, he's just been crazily bad on fi- on hashtag film. You know, I'm just a big. Film, film junkie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do lab? watch. I do watch a little film, but he uh, I mean. I don't know if anyone is failing the eye test quite as badly as Josh Allen. I mean, I've never seen. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks spin backwards a lot. I've never seen a quarterback spin backwards quite as much as Josh Allen. And uh, yeah. so, but he's a great stream this week against the Dolphins. Who, uh, you know, the Dolphin, the Dolphins now have plausible deniability in their tank. Uh, you know, they're, hey, we went for two. We tried to win the game. What do you mean we're tanking? So they can get back to full on tanking. Josh Allen should smash the spot. But I still am um, lacking faith overall in Josh Allen.
1: Allen's awful plays are the most awful plays you'll see any quarterback make, but the guy's entertaining to watch. I mean, I love him. He does make a couple great throws he does. a week that uh, he's so fun to get you know. him. Yeah, and I mean, that Patriots game, if he didn't get knocked out, like, he had him in a chance to win it. Obviously, having one of the league's best defenses is helping all this, but.
2: He was also playing like trash in that game. Yeah. 46% completion, three interceptions already.
3: Okay, if one gets specific, <laughs> you and
1: know, like, your analytics. Matt but, Barkley, uh, yeah.
3: quote unquote, might have been better. But, nah, uh. yeah, uh,
1: No, nah, I agree, though. He's a good pickup, not just for this week, too. We got Dolphins, then Eagles, Redskins, oh, all those yeah. are at home, at Browns, at Dolphins, home versus Broncos. I oh, mean, right. he's got a stretch here to go off, and yeah, the production, the rushing production is down, but his rushing attempts per game are actually up a little bit, so he's still taking off, it's still the same old Josh Allen, which, as we
2: found out, is a boomer bust quarterback.
3: Yeah, and the production's down, but it's by no means disappeared. Yep.
2: And you mentioned, I think we talked about this prior to the season, we thought, hey, can Josh Allen change the way he plays and make fewer mistakes? (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't, he probably won't, and I don't know if it really matters, because the Bills defense is legitimately good and I think that they're working around these mistakes that he's making now hopefully he doesn't make them in the worst possible time and there's a chance that he does in games in series of games in playoffs when they make it there but right now they are able to overcome these mishaps and these mistakes and these blips on the radar. And and most importantly, he is entertaining to watch. The,
1: the good thing too, like these mistakes, what comes with it is like he will do anything. Big plays too. He will do anything. Like you need to yeah. cover every area of the field. He's gonna take off. If you don't spy him, he's running. If you let him sit in the pocket, he's throwing the ball eighty yards downfield. He's not like one of these just bad quarterbacks that defenses can just, you know, rush into pocket and there's gonna be standstills. Like he he at least makes you think.
3: Yeah, you can't just tee off on
2: right. him. Next name on the waiver list is Chase Edmonds of the Arizona Cardinals. He faced the New York Giants in week seven. Last week against the Falcons, five carries, 34 yards, two receptions, 33 yards, and a touchdown. Pat, we know that Edmonds played a little bit more because David Johnson the prior week had a back ailment, maybe similar to John Daigle. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, David Johnson played. Daigle's not here. Uh, (laughs) and, And Edmonds is a really, really good talent. I really love him. He's fun to watch and I think that this performance it's one of those like once you squeeze the toothpaste out of the the tube it's tough to put it back in and they've kind of did, done that with Edmonds here.
3: Yeah it's not just the back the Cardinals have just had to use David Johnson so much as a pass catcher that it's kind of creating a natural opportunity for Chase Edmonds in the run game and you know establishing a culture of running back receptions Chase Edmonds is going to get some of those and just he's going to need to be on the field for a variety of reasons to spell David Johnson to do something different than David Johnson's being called on to do on that drive and uh you know, if he stays in the field in a hurry up, he can get some goal, some goal line opportunities. So just kind of, he's turning into like the great uh, elite handcuff who's developed standalone value as a flex.
2: I know you were watching the Cardinals-Falcons before we walked in here. What'd you think of the Cardinals performance? He just looked a little labored.
1: I mean, he made some plays. He had like a 40 yard catch and run, but th- his, his games are pretty wide open. I mean, his, cl- he's clearly, de- he looks like a guy that's dealing with a back injury <laughs> because he is dealing with a back injury. But with that said, I mean, I was surprised to see Edmonds only played 29% of the snaps, though. He's had 11 touches last week, 7 touches this week. That's not terrible, you know, especially when you get these bye weeks. And obviously when the starter has a back injury, you always have that ceiling for more. But I still think at this point he's just more of a great handcuff than a of a standalone value. But at least he's a handcuff that we have seen have the three-down roll, be capable of filling the three-down roll, and can do so if needed.
2: Yeah, and Christian Kirk will probably be back somewhat soon, and that'll probably limit those slot or out wide snaps of Chase Edmonds and David Johnson them being on the field at the same time. I mean, just imagine, though, using your great passing down running backs in a wide receiver slash slot alignment, and for some reason Cardinals coaches who are professional coaches and get paid lots of money to do it, refused to do that last year. And it both is. had big plays from it this past weekend.
3: It was questionable. Ian added a great caveat. Like, Chase Simmons, he has he more of a handcuff. He's I in said, that
2: Alexander Madison tier, who looked good at getting him.
3: But I said the standalone, he, he's, <laughs> the standalone value. He did look good. Standalone value, of the great caveat, was with the bye weeks now. Right. Like he's, he's to the point where running back's a little dire enough where he's going to be in like that top 40, top 45. Yeah. And people are going to have to use him.
2: Another handcuff slash a player who flashed a little bit this past weekend was Daryl Henderson, running back for the Rams. Uh, he faced the Atlanta Falcons in week 7. Six carries, 39 yards. Why did I say the Atlanta Falcons in week 7? He does not face the Atlanta Falcons in week 7.
3: No, they do. They do. The Rams play the Falcons and the Bengals. Sorry, yeah.
2: uh, six carries, 39 yards this past weekend. One reception for nine yards against the San Francisco 49ers. Pat, I don't know if you got to watch this game, but pretty much outside of that first drive, which was well constructed against by Sean McVay and Robert Woods, ran it in. The only two plays offensively that were of any meaning were two Daryl Henderson runs.
3: Yeah, I just haven't gotten to rewatch the game yet. I did see a lot of it. Uh, you know, people when you're in the NBC newsroom, people will just yell. And you look up at the TV (laughs) and that was happening every time Daryl Henderson touched the ball. I'm not going to mention who was yelling. It may have been one of our friends who's frequently on this podcast uh, every day. Uh, Daryl Henderson had a costly, costly fumble. But yeah, he had some serious juice between the levels of the defense and you know, putting in some nice jukes and uh, looking like, what do you want, a top 70 pick who can make some explosive plays. And he didn't make the horrible mistake, but Malcolm Brown showed very little. Uh, the entire offense showed very little. Yeah. And if Todd Gurley's out again in this you know amazing matchup with the Falcons, uh, Daryl Henderson. I think showed enough yesterday that he's going to have flex value for week seven.
1: Yeah, and, you know, he, he had two targets. Malcolm Brown didn't have zero. The routes were a little more shifted towards Brown just because he played 68% snaps was out there more. But it does seem like Henderson, this kind of goes back to preseason too, like they want him to be more that receiving do-it-all type back. They literally
2: that. use the name Lance Dunbar. There we go.
1: <laughs> so in a matchup against the Falcons who, even though they didn't in the first part of this season, generally bleed reception to running backs and also every other position this year, um, Definitely a spot to fire up Henderson. I would take Henderson over Edmonds this week, assuming we huh. be. would Brown, Henderson,
2: DJ Edmonds. I'm worried this Henderson becomes irrelevant because I think the Rams look at this if Todd Gurley is healthy enough to play and say, hey, we struggled so bad offensively. We have struggled offensively a lot this season. What's the difference between this season and last season? It's the usage of Todd Gurley. Now, I am concerned that this team looks at this and say, again, hello. We are better off when Ty Gurley plays 93% of the snaps like he did just two weeks ago. We don't have to go back far to even say Malcolm Brown is irrelevant, right? Since week one, he really hasn't been relevant at all. So now, how can we think that three backs are going to be relevant on the Rams?
3: Well, th- Yeah, this is contingent on Ty Gurley sitting this week. Right, and with it's, his quad injury. Yeah, and it's important to remember, Daryl Henderson, uh, he had played only two snaps going in. So basically, yesterday was him. Like the coaches have saying, show us something, and he definitely showed That's enough true. to remain to remain a part of. And the he rotation. should be picked up.
2: Like I don't want to say you, he shouldn't be picked up, but the expectations absolutely should not be there to me.
3: He should have flex. up He'll Ooh. offer flex upside if Todd Gurley sits. If Todd Gurley plays, yeah, then, then he's then, off the yeah, radar. Yeah.
2: Jamison Crowder is how we're going to close out this waiver period. He faced off the New England Patriots in week seven, last week against the Cowboys, again, in a win. Nine targets, six receptions, 98 yards, and this is with Sam Darnold getting back in the fold. Sam Darnold involved a lot of our favorite players. Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson. They each did what each player does. Big plays for Robbie, short underneath throws, and consistent player in Jamison Crowder.
3: Yeah, and it was much more reasonable with Jamison Crowder. He, he, when he had 95 yards in week one on 17 targets, he had 98 on nine yesterday. Uh, so, you know, that, that's like a much more sustainable uh, path to fantasy value going. I mean, that's like actually realistic. And the problem for Jamison Crowder, so he has this, he's 26 targets for two games with Sam Darnold. Uh, he has a matchup with the New England Patriots. Not good. On deck for week uh, for Week seven. So Off this, bye. Yeah, this could bye. Yeah, this could be more of a stash and save I mean, two games is only two games, but Jamison Crowder has met the preseason expectations through two games with Sam Darnold, and it's looking like he's going to be wide receiver three valuable, valuable when the Jets are not playing the New England Patriots. He's
1: getting nine-plus targets a game, yeah, keep firing him up, and I'm not convinced. One of these guys is going to sink a little bit. Le'Veon Bell only had one target yesterday, which won't happen more weeks than not, but with that said, you know, RIP Chris Herndon, everyone's tight end savior. Just out, He's out of the picture for now, so... Ryan Ryan Griffin? Am I right? No. Am I right? Uh, Robbie and Crowder, I think, can be viable fantasy options. More weeks than not if Darnold keeps playing well. I mean, he looked good yesterday. He had a nice one-handed catch across the middle. We've always known he's a shifty guy with the ball in his hands, and we know Adam Gase loves to feed his slot receivers. So we've had two weeks of evidence with Crowder
2: and Darnold, and they've both been awesome. If you like our content over at Rotor be sure to go and check out our premium products as well. That's rotorold.com slash DFS for the DFS toolkit. Also, go to rotorold.com slash win for the season pass. You can get Ian's rankings to go along with Pat's rankings that are free, but Ian's are not free. Go and check (laughs) those out over on the season pass, rotorold.com slash win. Uh, We'll be back here on Wednesday and Thursday for our preview episodes, Ian's backfield episode, all that good stuff. We'll be talking to Pat again then as well. Subscribe, rate, review. Tell one friend, talk to y'all soon. See ya. For 25
1: years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters